And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 184. So again, welcome to the world of Myth Bits. Uh, we are gearing up for the review of issue 109, I believe it is. And uh, as it stands, this will be my last review, so enjoy it well you can. So let's jump right in, and we will begin with our Drabble and Flash section in our first story, S.O.S. by Stephen Bruce. Uh, and oh my gosh, what a super stellar opening to the Drabble and Flash section. Um, just an astounding story overall. And the harmony, you know, it all just worked so perfectly. Every moment, every word, every line of dialogue, it it it, it harmonized, <laughs> pun intended, uh, to tell this eerie mythical but horrifically enchanting tale with absolute ease and brilliance. So excellent, excellent work, Mr. Bruce. And next up, we have Patterns in the Snow by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, and I'm sorry, Gabriella, but I have to. Uh, don't eat the bloody snow, please. Don't eat the bloody snow. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's out of my system. I've been watching the show Mindhunter, and while it teeters on, you know, teeters on historical, uh, I can't help but wonder how a supernatural serial killer would appear to the behavioral science unit at the FBI uh, gets the mind a ticking. So, yes, I know Mulder and Scully <laughs> exist, well, fictionally, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking strictly from a David Fincher perspective. Anyway... Uh, this was a really fun one that obviously got my cogs turning, if you couldn't tell. So, a uh, grotesquely fun story. And next up, we have Online Dating Failed by Puneet Kumar. And frankly, I love the idea of, like, ghosts catfishing. Uh, think about it. While, while we're still living in the realm of, you know, uh, spirits from the last hundred plus years... You know, will my my generation of ghosts just be like just technologically savvy enough to catfish the land of the living? Kind of like in, in the show Ghosts. Uh, I think so. I think that's how it'll go. So uh, <laughs> needless to say, I very much enjoyed the story. I loved the calm of it all and the buildup of uh, what if and the mystery and honestly didn't anticipate the end. So really a delightful piece, I reckon. And next up we have Through Wolf-Like Eyes, Part 6 by David K. Montoya. Uh, so, Pedos kind of sucks in the way... <laughs> in the way you're trying to figure out how he's going to tie into the story. You know, a detective who just doesn't care? Hmm. Uh, it's going to be interesting. 
methinks, for sure. And I just want to know, now, immediately, I'll stop with my tantrum of want. Uh, as each piece, you know, it comes and goes, we just get more and more enticed with the whole of the story. So um, hurry up, Dave. <laughs> Excellent work, sir. And finally, we have Something Better, teaser number 11, Lost by Jim Bates. And uh, just a reminder, you can get Jim Bates' book, Something Better, at MythMart.com. All right, let's jump over to Children's Lit and our story, Love and Time, by Gabriella Balcom. I quite enjoyed this story. I think the placidity and preciousness of what Chrissy got back was beautifully articulated, as well as the pain and grief she'd experienced initially. I like the concept, too, and I also um, really enjoy that there wasn't, like, ulterior or uh, devious motives from Lyria. It just made the story very pleasant and beautiful and so well-written. It's a very enjoyable and sweet story, Gabriella. And that will take, uh, take us over into our fantasy Section and our first story, Hunger and Blood by Eric A. Clayton. And I think this was just absolutely beautiful work. Uh, the story is written with such an excellent voice and tone. It's, it's so contagious. There's just something very meticulous with the arrangement of the story and its messaging. You know, I truly enjoyed the world building and getting familiar with this fantastical realm of mystery and intrigue and uh, Kira's purpose and her role within this world. So just an excellent story that delivered wonderfully. Excellent, excellent work, Eric. And next up we have the first Rabjin part Three of Three by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, that was definitely a beautiful ending to a terrific trilogy. I love the imagery, the tone, the idea, the sweetness, the tension, the sadness. You know, just everything that blended together so seamlessly and smoothly. And I think Gabriella did a beautiful job with this story. And I can honestly say I think it's one of my favorite pieces from her. And I'm so glad uh, things turned out well <laughs> for Mortimer and the whole of this village. It was just very much a needed bout of sweetness. And I truly appreciate the story. So amazing work. And finally, we have Petra's Tale, part 16 by Timothy Law. Look, Anton can be a brat for sure. <laughs> and that's putting it nicely. But even I felt a little bad for him this chapter only because for a moment he seemed to grasp the amazingness of magic and how he could actually utilize it and not be afraid of it <laughs> and see the, you know, he could see the Sylvan folk, uh, you know, how they can strengthen and hone their battle skills. Like, I don't know. It just only for it to completely disappear. I felt really <laughs> Felt really bad for him. He he, he had that hope. Uh, beyond that, this was a beautiful chapter, and I absolutely love getting this insight into Heidi and Petra's friendship, as well as seeing more Sylvan magic. You know, those are always really engaging, gorgeous, and fascinating scenes that Tim delivers very beautifully. And this was, without a doubt, another excellent chapter. 
And now we can move over into horror. And we will talk about our story. Our story. Stephanie J. Barty's phenomenal story, Penance, Part 14. Uh, there is no life. So here is my problem. And I want to be very clear that this is nothing to do with Stephanie or her brilliant writing, but the genre and me. Uh, when we're dealing with absolute power that can harness and manipulate everything around it, I cannot, will not, I cannot and will not accept that Marlon is just gone. You know, like, maybe, maybe it's, it's just denial on my part, but man, I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling there's some residual Marlin out there. I just feel it, you know, uh, but I could also be totally wrong. And just again, in mega denial mode, I don't know. Uh, so only time will tell. I reached out to Stephanie, uh, and if you can scream via email, I, I hope I conveyed that I was screaming via email for wanting to know about Marlon. That's all. Not <laughs> anything vicious. Uh, all that aside, though, I really like this chapter um, a lot. Imagine, if, imagine being Tiana's neighbor, though. <laughs> like. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in the new lore that we're expanding on and this Jordan character. So very, very intrigued with him. Excellent and enticing, if not slightly therapy inducing chapter. All right. So let's jump over to action and suspense in our first story, The Attic by Jim Bates. You know, I I really like this story uh, because depending on how you look at it, it's just it's just as terrifying for a vast amount of reasons. You know, but at the end of the day, it's all around terrifying knowing that this child, this nine year old, was just so okay <laughs> with outright murder. I I get it. Yes, kind of self. We could consider it self defense. I guess. Uh, but what if Tommy's apparition wasn't even real, you know? Uh, if Billy was justifying murdering his grandparents, you know? Uh, no matter how horrible. And, uh, I mean, he he knew there was the gas. He knew there was an issue with the gas. Couldn't he have gone to call emergency services regarding that gas? Uh, small, you know, hey, a small drought in eggs. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's scary. Because Billy... He chose to kill his grandparents, you know. A uh, nine-year-old made that decision. So point is, absolutely terrific and terrifying work, Jim. I loved it. On that note, there is a, um, a docuseries on Netflix, and it's uh, I Just Killed My Dad. And it it's, yeah. I don't want to say it's it's similar, but it's, it's not dissimilar. Um, anyway, very interesting is the point. Um, that also sounded, it, it literally just came out and I watched it last night. Let me, f let me explain that. Uh, I wasn't accusing anything of happening there. Point is, it happens. <laughs> That's what's scary. My gosh. Can I make any more mess of 
my words. Anyway, let's jump over to the end. Story three, The Cure by David K. Montoya. Um, there, is there something up with Helen, though? I wonder, because I think literally any person, no matter their belief system, I guess, if you want to call it that, or opinion, uh, would not be so quick to get the injection, especially literally just minutes after another human had taken it, when they think so highly of themselves, you know what I mean? I don't know. So I think I think it's interesting, and also just her delivery, the concept of belief. So very interesting piece for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm interested where this is headed and uh, what's wrong with her, honestly. All right. And next up, we have science fiction and the story Henry Hawkman Hickman by Don DeBrawl. I really had fun with Don's exploration into the genre. You know, based on the story alone, I love the fact that she approached this idea that at the, the end of the day would realistically have major ramifications beyond beyond superhuman powers and not just in the existential way you know i think the only thing this is just the the most minute thing um it almost felt like don was trying to rush through it that's it you know and and i get it there's there's a word limit and there's a lot of information to cover but i think it it just kind of got sped through and that was a little bit of a disservice but Otherwise, um, I thought it was a lot of fun to read and a challenge to the normal superhero content we're fed through Disney these days, you know, and, and it kind of had that like very slight boys feel to it. And I really liked it. So excellent work, Dawn. And finally, we have our humor section and our first story, My Brother the Zombie by Peggy Gerber. Uh, so I have been having my bout of stress dreams uh, these past few weeks. And dang, Peggy, uh, the story gave me just about as much anxiety as I wake up with after my own stress dreams. Uh, the story was a lot of fun. It teetered on serious, but the humor kicked in, and it was such a silly, fun humor, but you could still feel, you know, the stress and the anxiety of the overall story. So really, it was just a delightful piece that was such a joy to read. Uh, and next up, we have If You Can't Eat Them by James Rumble. Remember, do you remember when Hollywood <laughs> tried to redo the Universal Monsters and all we got was the off-putting remake of The Mummy starring Tom Cruise? Uh, so hear me out. <laughs> We put James in charge of rebooting Universal Monsters. Uh, I thought the story was a lot of fun, and it had me chuckling and grinning. And it was such a James story, you know, the humor, and it carries it carries his humor so perfectly. And I just enjoyed every moment of this piece. I do have one slight question. Uh, why didn't we go with Dr. Jekyll? I'm just curious, just curious. To, is it, was it just specifically because you knew? I would ask. <laughs> Maybe. Uh I'm teasing a little. Okay, I loved it, though. It was an excellent, excellent story and a lot of fun to read. So thank you very much, James. And finally, we have Tim the Story... Tim the Storyteller by Timothy Law. And, oh, man, that was a, a labor of 
love Timothy. I had to squint, sit back in my chair, get up close, read slow, shake my head. Look, have you have you seen the last season of Westworld? Not the last, but the most recent one that aired of Westworld. Just saying, I get it. I get it. Uh, seriously, that that silly uh, and fun and entertaining, albeit mildly headache-inducing story. It was well worth it, is the point I'm getting at. Uh, it was excellent to read and a lot of fun, and I loved it. Tim! So now we will shift over to the poetry section and discuss Doll Country by Damon Hubbs. What a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. I love this piece. I love it so, so much. The visuals alone are so telling and breathtaking and perfect. And the overall idea, idea is just so haunting and beautiful. And I love it. I'm sorry. There's really nothing more for me to say. I just adore this piece. It was gorgeous, gorgeous work. Damon, thank you so much for sharing it. And next up, we have A Moment to Remember by Dr. Elizabeth V. Koshi. Uh, this piece was so romantically transcending and enigmatic in its tone, and it was impossible not to feel and taste and smell every sensation spread throughout this piece. You know, I, I love that one commenter wrote, I felt like a third wheel. <laughs> on this bike ride and it's true in the best of ways of course it's just a beautiful poem and Dr. Koshi did a phenomenal job capturing this moment and next up we have A Day Without You by Anne Christine Tabaka uh that closing verse of this poem holy crap I don't know why it just burrowed deep inside me but it did and it just spoke all the volumes of this piece and its deepest meanings. This was, without a doubt, a beautiful piece, haunting and sad, but also peaceful and rich with joy and happiness to have loved and been loved and and done the loving, <laughs> uh, to find that strength and that unity and then the loss of it all. Just, just beautiful. And, and it was, it was really beautiful and you did an excellent job capturing that. And next up we have Conviction by Kathy Sherbin. And Kathy has proven, uh, she has an amazingly, uh, capable voice and ability to capture the resolve of womanhood and I think this piece lends to that narrative in a very strong way and this piece uh definitely sparks a lot of insight and perception and allows its reader to traverse a new meaning you know or idea upon rereading it applies to a wide array of people tones and ideas it just works beautifully. So excellent work, Kathy. And next up we have Demon in the Midst, page two by John Gray. I love how John constructed this poem based on last month's piece, uh, because this, this closing piece just, I, I loved it. You know, it, it's unique and it's definitely a fascinating approach and just lends to the effect of the overall piece. So excellent, fascinating work. And next up we have 
Flicker of Truth, a true serious poem by Sultana Raza. Uh, before talking about the poem, I have to express this since Sultana shared her reading of this piece that, uh, Dave, I am, I am directing this to you. Uh, Mr. David, David K. Montoya, sir, and Walter G. Esselman, uh, to consider setting Sultana up in a recording booth and making an overall audio experience of her work because, oh my gosh, uh, it just, the work itself, this piece was absolutely beautiful. There is such a melodious rhythm to Sultana's work that just, It feeds the senses, and I just think this piece is so interesting and conceptual in its address and ideas. Absolutely loved it. Would love to just listen to you read your work over and over. That's, like, my new favorite thing. That is peace to me. All right, and next up we have Funnel Web Spider by Kate McDonald Dunbar. I admittedly would probably be dead in Australia. Uh, I love arachnids. I love spiders. I'm a little too okay with handling them is the problem. So I just probably wind up very dead. I think, um, anyway, I love this poem, of course, uh, as a spider lover, I am biased. Um, and I also love that Kate dedicated a whole piece to this little scamp. And I think this poem is absolutely the most perfect example of art, you know, for me. This piece reads so differently than it would to someone who, say, has a fear of spiders or just doesn't like them in general. You know, just the objectivity of it is a lot of fun to explore, and I love it, Kate. And I think it was a wonderful homage to a cute, confident little spooter. So I love this little guy. All right. (laughs) Just me talking about how much I love spiders. All right, we will talk about Not Enough Guns, The Night the Flamingos Revolted by Timothy Law. Uh, Because of Hitchcock's film, The Birds, uh, my mom grew up and raised me around her fear of birds. And now I'm left to wonder, (laughs) what would her fear look like today had she seen rather than crows and seagulls attacking in the the film? Uh, But flamingos instead. Anyway, this was a fun piece and uh, the overall story and carried uh, Tim's whimsy overall and I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. So excellent, excellent work. And next up we have Night Shift Fragment by Stephen Bruce. There's something interesting about the state of this poem and how it starts with the idea of, of hating the woman the women in this person's life. Uh, So maybe I'm reading far too much into it, or maybe I listened to too much Red Handed, the podcast, or watch too much Mindhunter. I'm not sure. Uh, But that alone makes this piece absolutely terrifying and opens up a lot of questions about the psychology behind this poem. So quite interesting. Uh, Very much appreciated, Mr. Mr. Stephen Bruce. And next up we have A Walk for My Dream by Puneet Kumar. I really enjoyed this poem and its meaning, and I won't even lie, it was just nice to hear. You know, it kind of felt like a whisper in a creative's ear, just egging you on and reminding you, you matter and have purpose, uh, whatever whatever it is. I also just love the line, you walk long in dreams, in, uh, in the... U- 
Oh my gosh, I cannot talk right now. <laughs> you walk long in dreams in the day you see no footprints. Goodness gracious. Uh, it just hits really hard is the point that I was trying to make. Uh, and I really quite enjoy uh, the entire concept. So amazing work, Puneet. And finally, we have The Puppet Show by Dr. Pragya Suman. And uh, as I'm learning through uh, Pragya's work, she has such a fascinating, fascinating um, view, you know, in how she handles certain subjects. And I love it. I love the address. I love um, the visuals. I love the... The character that goes into the overall pieces. I just love, um, I love everything about how she arranges her work as well. I think there is such an intelligence there and such an intention regarding exactly how, like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the visual of the work. Does that make sense? I think Pragya does, um, a very unique job in giving us the visual aspect of the poem. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was a very interesting, interesting piece and I quite enjoyed it. And I'm very curious, uh, because it always, I always am incited to learn after reading Pragya's work. So thank you for making me need to do research. So yeah, so excellent, excellent work, Pragya. And that ends our poetry section, but takes us over to the art department. And our first piece, The New Me by Zoe M. Montoya. Uh, and this is adorable, uh, but this isn't the new you, Zoe. This is the evolved you. Uh, I really like the shapes utilized in this piece and the illusion of texture. I think Zoe did an excellent job with those factors that play artistically brilliant with the whole piece. And it was just super, super cute and a very awesome job, kiddo. And next up we have Swamped by Eric Rivera. And this piece is just amazing. Eric's use of this, it's I, I say muted. It's this very like tonally muted palette. Um... And it just lends to this throwback of vintage horror, and it just looks so cool. I love how he conceived the articulated, conceived and articulated the murkiness of the water and the hidden depths, and just, oh, it's so good. Uh, this piece is, in my opinion, absolute perfection. The forms of those figures, the the natural movement, I'm just in awe. It was an absolutely perfect piece. Eric, thank you for submitting it because I love it to death. Uh, then I have a piece, Blind Mag, by, by me. That's cool. Uh, next up we have Summertime by Alonzo Ross. And I love this piece and how evocative it is of the title. You know, the character is is fleshed out and stunning and almost, the, the very almost monochromatic palette, you know, it, it, it shocked out of its unity with the uh, yellow and blue and black and it just ugh, works so well. It's very meticulous. Uh, absolutely stunning, beautiful, and 
beautifully drawn. Alonzo is a phenomenal artist, and this piece is just pristine. And that will take us over to the review section. And our first review, a uh, review of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels' The Communist Manifesto by Michael A. Arnold. I really like the note at the end of the review. I just thought it was really funny uh, how Michael explicitly points out that the book should be handled with care, you know, uh, in its understanding. But then the note at the bottom, <laughs> your reliance on any information on this site is solely at your own risk. I just think that's really funny. Uh, okay, Michael, you ding ding did it and convinced us all to be Marxists, I guess, is the point of that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, of course, again, I'm kidding. I get it. I get why the note is there, especially because words like communism and socialism, uh, two heartily misunderstood ideas that are also... Uh, not really interchangeable terms, uh, but they're they're really inflammatory. You know, people get very upset when they see them. And I really appreciate how Michael lays it all out there, you know, from a very, um, you know, uh, em empathetic point of view. Like, here here it is for you to, to comprehend um, from a different perspective. And um, also the, you know, going the... the Asking us all to go straight to the source, but also to be mindful that the source is outdated and things have changed. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, I very much enjoyed the review, and I think Michael did a wonderful job uh, broaching the subject that I think a lot of people are scared to or hesitant to broach. Uh, so yeah, excellent, excellent work, Michael. And next up, we have a review of Narcissus by Caravaggio by Michael A. Arnold. Uh, and in this spectacular review, Michael explores Caravaggio's interpretation of the myth of Narcissus. Sorry, I'm getting all tongue twisted today. Uh, Michael walks us through the use of extreme contrast in art, a style that, if not directly attributed to Caravaggio, as at least... Uh, as Michael puts it, popularized the uh, idea. Additionally, we go on to discuss the take of isolation rendered through the use of that heavy contrast, navigating the original myth and Caravaggio's interpretation, how the viewer is looking at Narcissus, and even possibly in whose shoes the viewer might be. It's an excellent piece that delves into fascinating ideas, subjects, and styles, and as per usual, very much worth a read. And finally, we have the Board of Directors Minutes. And in June's Board of Directors meeting, our directors discuss the upcoming release of Jim Bates' ebook, The Alien from Orchard Lake, and Zoe Montoya being the cover choice for the book. They also discussed Walter G. Essman's Liberty Run... Liberty's Run, <laughs> the second book, officially titled Tanks for the Memories, and also using the same model from the first cover, and I redrew her tattoos. Uh, later in the meeting, the board discussed being mindful of not spreading the company's brands too thin, as well as the importance of Jason and Dark Myth. And Dave also talks about Henry, the owner of Comic Cult HD, who can help with distribution, and the official meeting for July is set for the 17th of July. So 
so that is it, guys. Uh, yeah, that is it. That was episode one hundred uh, issue one hundred and nine, I believe. It was kind of a a small issue, but that's fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is gonna be my last my last episode, my last review. Um, you know, Dave and I discussed it, and I don't want to get too into it. You know, but basically. Um, I'm not okay. You know, I haven't been okay for a while and I need to deal with that. I need to work on, on my mental health and kind of prioritize that. I, I've been in a position where I've just been prioritizing every, everything else, everybody else's projects for the past, you know, a couple of years. And unfortunately, um, I'm just tired. I'm tired of, of putting myself on the back burner you know, and, and thinking I'm giving myself sufficient care, um, for resting when I am burning out, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you've worked to the point of exhaustion. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the point is I'm, I'm not okay. And, and Dave is very understanding and, um, encouraging of where I am mentally and where I need to be. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, uh, it's pretty much that, you know, uh, also the good, the good part is hopefully now, you know, I, I, I always hate going into the reviews from a standpoint of, I have to read them from this, from this perspective, you know, and I feel like it doesn't allow me to fully enjoy it. Kind of like when you're asked to read stuff for school. I could never do that. I can read for pleasure, but when, you know, I have to read for an assignment, it doesn't always pan out very well. <laughs> it becomes too, too tasking, you know, taxing, my gosh, too taxing. Um, and I don't want to do it. And that's not fair to the amazing writers, um, for me to feel like that. So now I actually get to read for pleasure again. <laughs> it sounds so bad. It's not. But yeah, I hope everybody knows where I'm coming from. So yeah, so that's that. Um, I will be back at some point, not at the World of Myth Bits, but on the network. I'm not sure when or doing what yet. And I'm still in the background. I'm still doing stuff, you know, for the magazine. I'm still going to be submitting. Maybe I can get back to writing soon. Um, I'm still going to be, you know, involved in everything. But yeah, for now, I need to prioritize myself, my projects, and what I'm doing. So yeah. So that's it. Um, I would say until next time, but this is the last time. So um, I wish everybody the best of luck. And I love you all those who have been supportive. Um, I very much appreciate you all. And um, yeah, I just want to see everybody succeed and live their best creative life. So thanks for the memory. Thanks for the memory. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll see you when I see you. How about that? See you when I see you.